This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Today, we're talking about why missions, part two. Oh, by the way, the outlines. Does anybody need a sermon outline? If you need a sermon outline, raise your hand. Amen. Get a sermon outline because uh, you have to fill in the blanks. You don't get to leave. Robert's back in the door. He always checks the blanks. <laughs> no, not really. I got I got to tell my Eva story one time. Had this had this old woman in my church back in Indiana. She was in her nineties. She was, I mean, man, she was she was she was, man, I think she knew Methuselah. But <laughs> she she'd been around for a long time. She really was sharp. She drove sometimes, but didn't drive all the time. So anyway, this, on this one Sunday morning, I made a joke like that in our little church there in Indiana. I said, by the way, make sure you take care of those blanks or you won't get out. They got the door locked. And I've tried to preach. <laughs> like I said, okay, Eva, what do you want? She said, she said, pastor, can they open at 12 o'clock? Rose is going to pick me up. I said, Eve, I'm just joking you. The door's not locked. <laughs> oh, I thought that was funny. It was. It, anyway, years ago, Jesus told me, if I'll help Jesus reach the people of the world, that Jesus will help me reach the people in my part of the world. And the people in my part of the world, for me personally, is number one, God has me in Barstow, the high desert. I want to reach everybody in this arena here because God assigned me here to preach the gospel to every creature. And I do my part, you do your part. But then also my part of the world is Indiana and Florida, Alaska, Georgia, and lots of other places. I have personal family of my blood relatives. They're my part of the world. The most important part of the world that I want saved is my family. That's the number one thing. And then number two, this part here of the world God sent me to. And so your part of the world is your family no matter where they live at. Jesus knows the number of every hair or the head of every heathen in your family. No matter, no matter how good they are or how bad they are, if they don't have Jesus in their heart, they won't go to heaven. And so that's the number one thing. And so Jesus, and we'll see this in the Word of God today, Jesus looks at believers. And when believers are serious about helping Jesus reach the world, that Jesus is very serious about helping you reach your part of the world. And how many know that Jesus did say that a prophet's without honor nowhere except in his own family, in his own home. And so as spiritual some as you are, as much love as some as you have, and the way you're able to share the Word of God with people so well, sometimes your family, matter of fact, in our devotion, everybody reads our devotion we do every day together. Did you read this morning in John chapter 6, when it says those people said, well, isn't this just Jesus? Said, we know his mom and his dad. How could he say these things? Well, believe it or not, it's that way in some of my family still. I've been doing this for so many years, and so many people love the way I share the Word of God, the way I teach the Word of God, but I still see people sometimes, when I go back for a visit, back to the east, people say, wasn't that just Bernie the truck driver? Isn't he the one that used to hang out in the sunshine Inn and drink beer with us? And he the one used to tell those dirty jokes? Well, what they don't realize, that guy died on January 29th, 1980. And the one that lives inside this earth suit 
This physical body now is a new creature in Christ. I've been born again. Amen. I'm gifted by Jesus to be a pastor. I have the grace of God. I have the anointed God that I can share the word of God. But if you knew me in my B.C. days, before Christ days, I'd look at me and say, well, that's just that old dirty truck driver. That old dirty truck driver died. But in your lives, people that don't know you're a new creature in Christ, wasn't that the one we used to get get high with? Isn't that the one we used to run around and do bad things with? But then, you know what? Those people now you're praying for won't listen to you because they see you who you used to be. Jesus knows who will talk to them they can listen to. Amen. So that's what we're all about is getting people born again. And so... We'll send people to your loved ones, no matter where they are in the world, if you ask him to. Amen. Go to Matthew chapter 24. Amen. We are excited about the Word of God because we're excited about Jesus. Amen. Matthew 24. And we were in Matthew 24 last week, basically the whole, the whole time. But I want you to see a couple things. I'll tell you what, for me, I personally... Receive the word of God as Jesus talking to me. Jesus is the living word, and that's how Jesus talks to me. That's how he leads me. That's how he guides me. Just like that Luke 17 I told you about a while ago, Jesus, by his spirit, led me to Luke 17 for my life. At Luke 17, Jesus might have told that guy that came back to worship in Luke 17, said, Behold, your faith has made you whole. Well, guess what? He spoke that to my heart. He said, your faith has made you whole because you give glory to me. And so as we read these verses here, I receive these verses as if Jesus were standing here talking to me because his word is him talking to us. Amen. And so listen to what he says right here. His disciples have been talking to him about some things that Jesus has been talking back. And then it says in verse 3, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? At what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Or the Greek says the end of the age. We're living in the church age now. We're getting ready to come into the millennium. We're going to have tribulation. All kinds of things happen in the future. But guess what? The future's here. We're living in the last of the last days. And I dare say this same question that the disciples said to Jesus then, there's millions of people saying now. People's looking at the world. And then, of course, in this passage we saw last week that Jesus begins to tell them all the bad things happening, all the wars, rumors of wars, all the earthquakes, all the famines, all the diseases, all the horrible things happening. And I'll tell you, there's people around the world today, there's people in Barstow that are watching the world, watching the news, listening to people they work with, listening to their families, all the terror going on. And they're saying, this can't go on much longer. Surely this is going to end. And so what they're saying, they're saying, when's the end? And so guess what? This question from 2,000 years ago is still a question people are asking today, except get this. We're 2,000 years closer now. A lot of things Jesus told were going to come to pass first. They've come to pass. Amen. That's a lot of things that come to pass at last. And so I want you to look at verse 14. I was getting to the end of some of the things he said, because this is what Jesus said here. He said, this gospel of the kingdom 
And guess what? That's the gospel we're preaching from the Bible. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in Barstow, California. That's one place. But shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. And then shall the end come. That is probably, I've I've never checked out, that's probably the last prophecy Jesus ever gave. Jesus prophesied, and he said, well, this gospel is preached in all the world, to all nations. He said, then shall the end come. And so that's somebody telling the future of it, and the Bible's full of the men of God in the Bible telling future events, how they're going to turn out before they happen. Well, this is Jesus, the Son of God, telling us this big event called the end of the church age, the age we now live in, before it happened. And told all kinds of things were going to happen, first of all, and we're seeing them happen all around us, half for years. But then he said, the very last thing he says is going to happen when every nation, and nations right here, doesn't mean countries. The word nation comes from a Greek word that means people groups. It means races. Tribes. And so, all around the world today, all the time, if you, everybody here, I'm sure, gets Christian emails and newsletters, all kinds of stuff from Christian groups around the world. If you've been saved for a while, you're on somebody's list, you get updates all the time. All the time, people like Gideons, or people like, uh, what it used to be called, Bill Bright's thing, Campus Crusade for Christ. Well, we, we personally privately support a missionary friend of ours that the church does, but we do have for years. He's, that, that's called Crew now. And all the time, they discover new tribes in these places around the world that nobody's ever talked to yet. They keep on discovering new people groups. And so they take the Jesus film into them, or they take things into there like that, but they keep discovering people groups that man doesn't know about, but God does. And so God keeps sending missionaries to these people groups to share the gospel. And those groups are called part of the nations. And the nations are the tribes, the groups, the races of the world. And Jesus said, what every one of these people groups have finally got a chance to hear. He said, then we're going to hear the trumpet blow. And then we're going to see the Son of Man come back in his glory. That's what he said. And so for me, as I look at the importance of missions, of what we're doing, we, any Christian in the world, any church in the world that decides that we're going to back Jesus up in missions, we're helping fulfill Jesus' prophecy. Jesus said this is going to happen, but everything that Jesus ever said he wanted done on the earth, he's not here to do it, but his people are. He's at the right hand of God. Jesus said, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. He said, I'll confirm my word with signs following by my spirit. He said, you lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. And I'll confirm my word with signs following. said, you cast demons out of people in my name. And I'll back you up and I'll do it. He said, you bring your tithe into the storehouse. And I will open the windows of heaven and my blessing upon you. And I will receive it. I will rebuke the devourer for you, but you bring. And so everything Jesus is doing on the earth today, he's doing it because man chooses to cooperate. Amen. You ever thought about that word, cooperate, what it means? You break it down. Co, 
operate. There's an operation going on in the body of Christ. Today. Things are operating, but it's a co-operation. The God part, the man part. God and man, we're, we're co-operating. God's operating, we're operating. We move, God moves. God moves, we move. Work together. Jesus said, well, this gospel's preached, and the gospel can't be preached if they're not sent. And they can't be sent if they're not supported. They cry out to God, but God puts a call on missionary's heart. They cry out to God, God, I want to go. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. And then God looks around, his eyes run to and fro. He says, I'm going to connect you with that church in Barstow. I can move on people's hearts there and never fear. They'll keep their word. And, you know, by the, by the way, I think about the Besters last year. You know, we committed to a whole lot of money to pay for the first year relocating to Branson, Missouri. We paid We paid their house for a year. And other things like that. We helped them get rooted again. What God wanted them to do so they could fulfill the great commission of their lives. That's the kind of things that Jesus is looking for to get the job done. Amen? Amen. I'll tell you what, I don't know about you. I'm so excited, I can't hardly stand it. So anyway, uh, all these people groups, all these people groups will be reached. And so Jesus is emphasizing the importance of missions work in these last days. He's emphasizing the importance. And I'll tell you what, I think about, you know, some of the definitions we've heard. Pastor Dave taught an awesome series last year about how to reverence God. But to me, with all the different religious definitions and dictionary definitions and strong concordance definitions you come up with, to me, the way, the, the way I understand it that works for me is this. If you hate what God hates and you love what God loves, then you got the fear of God in your heart. If God hates something, you gotta hate it. If God loves something, you've gotta love it. And when you do that, that's simply the fear of God. If you know it's gonna bother God, don't do it. If you know it's gonna please God, do it. That doesn't make any difference who's watching or who's not watching. You know, I know I live my life in a way that I want to please Jesus. I do a lot of good things that nobody ever sees. And you do a lot of good things nobody ever sees because you don't care about people seeing them. You just do it because you know it's the right thing to do. And sometimes I've done things that I'm glad nobody did see. Praise God, getting better every day. That's why I quit driving on the 15. <laughs> we come to church all the way to Newberry Springs and we're on the 15 for two miles. We take the back way, it only costs us three minutes. But praise God, I get to church and I got the peace of God on me. I don't have to repent. Amen. You know, what am I talking about? I'm talking about reverence in God. I don't like to get mad at people. You know, when you're an anointed preacher, that's a former truck driver. It's hard people live up to my standards. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, boy. Uh. I don't know. Confession's good for my soul. I don't know about yours. But no, we're talking, we're talking about the importance of living for Jesus and trying to please Him. And I'll tell you what, like that song we sang a while ago, I so much want to please Jesus with everything I do that anything I've got to adjust, anything I've got to do to be more positioned to please Him, that's what I want to do. I'm not just living for me. I'm living for people. And whatever I preach, I want the anointing of God on me. I want the Spirit of God to use me to help change people's lives like that. That's the way you've got to be. Amen? And so Matthew chapter 9, it looks at the ports of missions. You're going to see some things today. 
that are really going to help you as a born-again Christian to do your best for Jesus and be all you can be. Matthew 9, verse 35, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching, and I underline that, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing, and I underline that, teaching, preaching, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And I want to tell you something that if you don't know this, there's a difference between teaching and preaching. Preaching gives you hope. Preaching means to exhort, to get stirred up. And when people come into a church, they need to hear some preaching. That's going to give them some hope. And you'll just like today, you know, when I told you that Jesus healed me from heart things last year, and healed me of blood cancer last year, and things like that, I didn't do any teaching. I kind of did a little preaching around that a while ago, but that was just kind of prophesied to people some things about your healing, what God's doing today. But there's people in here today that maybe it's your first time here, or maybe you never heard something like that before, and that kind of gave you some hope in your heart. What hope is, is you, you thought, wow, if he did it for that man, maybe he'll do that for me. And so I put hope in your heart, but then as you come around more and more on, on, on Wednesday nights right now, we're teaching a, teaching a series on divine healing. We're teaching. Preaching gives you hope. Teaching shows you how to turn hope into reality. Teaching shows you how to turn hope into reality. And so this series we're teaching on Wednesday nights is called, How Much Do You Know About Divine Healing and Health? How Much Do You Know About Divine Healing and Health? And I'd say a lot of people are probably didn't even know the difference between divine healing and divine health. Well, the Bible teaches it. Divine health means you stay well. You just don't get sick. You stay well. Divine healing means if you need healing, you receive healing from God. And there's a couple different categories of that that I, I think of right now that we teach on from the Bible. Number one, you might have got what the world calls a terminal diagnosis, where the world says there's no cure for this. You're going to die. Well, the Bible says, God said, lay hands on them, they shall recover. said, pray the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith to heal the sick. That's divine healing. Divine health, you just stay well. Proverbs 4.22 says, attend to my words. My words are healing and medicine to all your flesh. That's like a vaccination in the spirit of the word of God, your physical body, that keeps you from getting sick. As I see verse like that, I say, thank you, Lord, for a strong, healthy immune system. Thank you, Lord. Strong, healthy immune system. And so people need to know that. So Jesus, it says, was teaching, he was preaching, and he was healing. It says that all the villages, all the towns, that's what Jesus was doing. And so this is what Jesus is still doing today. How do I know that? Because he's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Well, if he's in heaven, how's he doing that? Through preachers, through teachers, through missionaries. At other believers. He's still doing the same thing today. Now, once you look at verse 36 through 38, in line with the subject we're talking about of why missions, is that uh, it says, When he saw the multitudes, he has moved compassion on them because they fainted, they were growing weary, and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Sheep need a pastor. Sheep need a shepherd. Believers that don't have a shepherd 
believers that don't have a spiritual father, a spiritual leader, they're, go, they're, go, they're going to get faint and weary a whole lot more so than ones that are connected. Because Jesus said so. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. That's still true today. Labors are few. Pray, and I circled that. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, he will send, and I circled sin. We pray, he sends, forth labors into his harvest. And so Jesus sees the hurting people, the needy people, in Barstow, in the high desert, in your family, and around the world. In all these other nations and everywhere. And so for your fill in the blanks, we pray, because Jesus said to, and Jesus sins. Because then we pray, he sins. And then we support the ones Jesus sends. We support the ones Jesus sends. And I think about my son, Pastor Dave. Uh, my, my wife and I, Pastor Janice, we see our kids that are called to ministry. They're, they're our kids, but we see them how God sees them. I see Pastor Dave and Katie and that family, like my family, and lots of other preacher families I know. That's my son, but that's a five-fold ministry gift. That's a pastor. He's laid his life down. Katie's laid her life down. I'll tell you what, he talked about Katie smart. She is smart, but don't tell her. But Katie... I've watched Katie since she was 17 years old. I've watched Katie help run businesses in Indiana at here in Barstow, a couple different businesses. She really helped run those businesses, helped do things. I praise God that she's working at High Desert Word Center at the salary she's not going to stay at. God's going to bless her and bless her and bless her and bless her. And Pastor Dave, and I think about that. And so I said that to say this. We were talking yesterday about a while back we made a sacrificial gift to help these guys. And we didn't give it to my son. We gave it to Jesus for one of his gifts. Amen. I'll tell you, there's more reward from Jesus when you give it to a gift. So we gave it to somebody he gifted. And we was talking about what God's done through them. And then when I saw that video up there and what happened, I thought about how God moved on you to bless this gift. God did that to bless this gift. God uses us to bless the ones he sends. These guys are like us, and so is Josh and Julie. God God transferred us from other parts of the nation to come out here as missionaries to California. And when we left where we were, we did that in faith to come someplace we'd never been because God sent us here as missionaries to this region then to raise us up. And then we look at all your lives that have been changed and all the lives that you've changed because of the victory you got. And we think about that. But I see that in this verse right here. People pray... Jesus sins, and that people support the ones he sends. And so that's how his system works. And But we're helping missionaries. That's what we're doing. There's people around the world right now that are crying out for help. And a lot of them think they're crying out for America to help. And right now, America better help itself. America is seriously in need of a lot of help, but the gospel is being preached in America. A lot of Christian people in America help America. But when they pray for pray for help, then there are a lot of good missions things in America. So that a lot of missionaries come from America. And so people have got to know when the missionaries get there, it's not because we're Americans we can help you. It's because we're Christians. It's because we belong to Jesus. Jesus is the one 
that got America started to be a blessed nation. Jesus is the one that's bailed America out over the years. Jesus is the one that's caused America to get to where she is. Not where she is right now, a lot of areas, but to where she is a bit of a good place to be, et cetera, et cetera. And so when people, because I've been, I've been to a few countries, some of you've been to a few countries, everybody thinks America is a good place to be because it's America. Well, the only reason America is a good place to be is because our founding fathers were believers and they wanted to be a Bible nation. That's why. And so when these missionaries, when those people pray and people like us sin, when they get there, they don't have the gospel of America. But I'll tell you what, the gospel of America right now is not a good gospel. They got the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then we see for America, the law of seed time and harvest, as long as America is sending people to other parts of the world, that God's sending people from over there, over here too, to preach to our leaders and to our members. Amen? And so anyway, that's, that's how this works. We pray, Jesus sends, and then we support. And so we at High Desert Word Center, uh, We'll, we'll, uh, continue to help Jesus reach the world, and we know Jesus will send believers to our friends and family in our part of the world. We're gonna keep doing our part, he's gonna do his. Now go to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. And, this is such a good parable that Jesus uses here. And remember, a parable is a natural illustration to help us understand spiritual truth. And so Jesus gives us some things here that we can see and understand, to understand how things work in the Spirit. And I was thinking about this. When I was a baby pastor back in 1992, the Lord had me teach this. And I really saw something big in this that's really, to me, it was earth-changing to me. And I just want to say, well, I'm going to get to part of this thing here. If you're listening with your ears, I want to say what Jesus said. He that hath the ears to hear and hear, let him hear. Go be something you're going to see here that's going to rock you to the quick. It's going to cause you on the inside to see something very profound. Matter of fact, I got to share it on TBN back in Indiana as a baby pastor after I saw it. And it's just really something that we as, we as Christians need to take heed to. Because it's Jesus Christ talking to us through his word. Amen. And so as we look at this parable right here. Verse 31. Jesus said this. When the son of man shall come in his glory. Guess what? Jesus is coming again because he said so. I don't care what anybody else thinks, says, believes. What's to change it around to. Paul said if anybody preached another gospel, let him be accursed. Jesus said he's coming again, so he's coming. It said, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And so Jesus coming again when the gospel has been preached to all the world and says he's going to sit on the throne of his glory. They're going to be the judgment seat of Christ. There's two, there's two thrones at the end times that the Bible teaches about in the book of Revelation. One of them is called the great white throne of judgment. And God sits on that one. And if you're a born-again Christian, you'll never stand before the great white throne of judgment. That's the one where God judges everybody that rejected Jesus Christ. Everybody comes before God at the great white throne of judgment. God's going to tell them, choo, choo, choo. 
bottomless pit for you. That's the great white throne of judgment. It's for sinners only. And then the judgment seat of Christ is for believers only. And then Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to be judged. And he said, everything that's wood, hay, and stubble will be consumed by the fire of his glory. That means every goofy thing you did as a Christian, everything you did that wasn't fruitful and beneficial for the glory of God to help people to give glory to Jesus will be consumed. But he said, everything you did that was in line with the word of God, that obeyed God for blessing people, to help people know Jesus, he said, that's silver, gold, and precious stones. He said, you'll get rewards. Amen. And then Paul said, we'll have crowns, soul winners crowns. We throw those at his feet. Amen. If that's what Jesus is going to do on his throne, he's going to be judging you and me as believers that walk with him. And so whether it's good or whether it's bad, it will be judged because Jesus said so. And so I want you to read that verse 32, verse 33. And then it says, And before him shall be gathered all nations. He shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. And so Jesus is going to separate sheep from goats. Sheep are simply believers that hear his voice and follow him. Goats are the ones that hear, but don't follow. I want to say it again. Sheep are the ones that hear and obey. Goats are the ones that hear and hear and hear, but they butt. Anybody ever had a goats besides us? We raised goats back in India. Goats. Goats butt. How can you tell in a congregation a sheep from a goat? Well, you know what? Jesus said, bring the tithe to the storehouse. I know it, Pastor, but. Jesus said, if you want to be forgiven, forgive. I know it, Pastor, but. (laughs) Goats always have a but. No matter what the Word of God says, they've always got a reason. Well, Pastor, uh, I'd like to be a part of the missions thing, but. Well, what's your but? I don't have the money, except for Del Taco five nights a week. Disney three times a year. Or whatever it is. Anyway, out of all that, but. You couldn't come up with five dollars a month to help Jesus? But. <laughs> if you're a sheep, you say, bah. And the way sheep say, bah, is they go, amen, pastor. <laughs> Do it better preaching than you are shouting. And so, Jesus' voice, the ones that hear his voice, is his written word, as well as the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. Jesus talks to you by his word, and his spirit speaks to your heart. Sometimes in your heart, you just know that's the right thing to do. Sometimes in your heart, you just know, well, I need to quit doing that. Because it's the Holy Spirit talking to you. Anyway, say this with me. Say, I'm a good sheep, not a goat. I listen to Jesus and obey his word. Amen. 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 Somebody clap for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, verse 34 through 36, this is what Jesus expects from all believers. Jesus expects this from all the sheep. Verse 34 to 36 says this. 
Then shall the king say of them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom of pre- prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Jesus said, I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. That kind of sounds somewhat like New Hope Village, doesn't it? And places like that, and things we do, and the missionaries we send around the world, these different people are messed up. And I think about one of our church members that's uh, kind of been out for a while. We we got different people going to see her. her. Daughter's out of town right now. So a couple of you yesterday went to visit her, took food to her, and helped her. And you're going to go back today. That's what Jesus is talking about. He said, when you, when, when, when you come and saw these people, you're seeing me. And so anyway, uh, this is what he's talking about. And so New Hope Village is definitely meeting that need. I'm glad to be a part of helping those people do what they're doing. So then verse 37 to 39, Then shall the righteous, or the sheep, answer and say, Lord, when saw were you hungry and fed you, or thirsty and you gave and gave you drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? That's some good questions. They're saying, Jesus, when did we do that? We didn't realize that's what we was doing, Jesus. And then verse 40, Jesus said this, And the king shall answer, saying to them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto least of these, my brethren, and that's underline that, fill that in. I put a circle around that. He said, You've done it unto one of the least of my brethren, said, You've done it unto me. This is why missions. This is why missions. Jesus said, anytime you did these things, you did it to me. And I, I, and I, I, I was thinking this morning, I looked up and saw, saw Philip. You don't mind talking about you, do you, Philip? Uh, Philip used to not be a good guy. <laughs> Philip used to be a guy behind bars. Philip used to be a guy that was in jail and prison and wasn't a very good guy, but he's born again. He's a Holy Ghost Christian. Now he's an assistant warden in prison. He's an assistant warden. And I'm thinking about, I'm thinking, what, what I was thinking about this, what do you think embarrassing Philip? Just think about how God does things. Think about these people that are in prison. You got a guy like this that goes to a church like this. And the reason this is a good church is because we teach the word. We let the Holy Spirit flow here. People love each other here. We teach the love of God. We reach out to help people. That if I had a loved one or a friend that was in prison and I was praying Jesus sent somebody to talk to him, I would love if there's somebody in prison that I was praying for to know. You go to the system warden's life. He's going to talk to you. He's going to pray with you. He's going to have something besides condemnation. When I was talking to Robert this morning about some of the people's lives we've seen changed, I said, Robert, that's what I like about our church. We're not a stone-throwing church. Jesus said, he's without sin to let him cast the first stone. And I praise God they didn't stone me to death. That I've made it all these years because I'm not without sin. I fell for it before, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm so grateful to know that we teach the love of God here. We role model the love of God the best we know how. And then to have a guy like that in a place. You know, I'll, I'll just have to say this. That prison has to at least be part of that prison, a holy prison. 
because there's a holy man of God works in that prison and he has influence there. So anyway, I'm saying from the Gospels here, they get a guy like Philip in there that comes here, receives anointing, receives word, receives faith, and all he needs when he comes in here, that's just not just for Philip and his four no more. Who knows? I've never talked to him about what he does out there. I just know what his title is. Who knows the kind of people he gets to influence all week long? Who knows? Those people are in there. You know, I, I wasn't always a man of God, a Christian. I was in jail just a little bit before I knew Jesus. Not a lot, just a little bit. Like those other guys at jail said, I'm not really a bad guy, I don't belong here. I said the same thing, but I was there. They all say they don't belong there. But anyway, I was just a little stupid stuff like drinking too much beer, you know, dumb stuff. But anyway, I know this, there's no more hope filling in the whole world than to be in some place where somebody clings the door shut. And you're on that side, and you can't look out. And you look around you, and you look at some of those people in there. And even if you're not a Christian, you say, oh, dear God, help me. It's <laughs> like that noise you can't get out. And so I cannot imagine what it would be like, and I don't ever want to know, to be in a prison where you know you're not getting out tomorrow. You're going to be there for another time, another time, to be able to get to go into some warden's office where you go in there. The guy doesn't just threaten you to be mean, but he looks at you and listens to you, has something to say to you to help you, to speak something over your life and help you. And then I'm thinking about this. Because of what the Bible teaches about spiritual things, one day that man will talk about Philip. Sorry, Philip. You're part of my sermon now. I didn't know that when I came in. One day that man will stand in front of Jesus. And there's going to be a lot of people that were in prison that he influenced. At Jesus, the speech you just made here is going to make there. He said, thank you, Philip. You visited me in prison. Philip, thank you for not condemning me and praying for me. Thank you, Philip, for helping me. Philip, I probably would have hung myself in there if you hadn't have been there for me. Thank you. And you're going to say, Jesus, would I do that for you? Then you're going to see all those faces you've influenced over the years. Those faces will be right there in prison, in, in heaven that were in prison. And you're going to throw your crown at Jesus' feet. <laughs> but you know what? It's the same thing for all of you on your jobs. It's the same thing for all you, your families and things like that when you're working for Jesus. Or you get a call from the pastor like some of them got yesterday and said, hey, we got a lady in the church that really needs looked in on, needs some food. Can you go over there and help her today? And they went. And Jesus said, thank you for visiting me on Saturday. Thank you for visiting me on Sunday. And then the New Hope Village thing we're doing, all these different people that are coming out of rehab, the things they're doing in our city to go to New Hope like that. You're going to say, thank you, Jesus, for visiting me. And Jesus looks at you and says, thank you. Thank you for visiting me. And then I think about, you know, I think about that free Methodist church. Pastor Dave works really closely with a lot of those people. That doesn't sound like a lot of box of cereal. But these people over there have been feeding, feeding the people of the city for years. And they said their greatest need is cereal. So if they're the experts that God's anointed to do this, they say cereal. I'll tell you what, I hope they got some big cupboards. Because they got a harvest coming in May. And it won't be a one-time thing either. We'll just keep on working. Anyway, 
Jesus said, you done one of the least of my brethren, you did it unto me. Now, I want you to notice then, that's why missions. And I want to say this, the epistles are the only books in the Bible written for born-again Christians. And one theme through the epistles, the letters to the church they teach, is the number one evidence of the new birth is God's love in the hearts of believers and their actions to help anybody. I want to say it again. Especially if you read uh, the epistle of John, 1 John, all through there he talks over and over again about how can you say you love God if you don't love people who are made in the image of God. He said, he said, he said, he said that, uh, you know, there's no greater faith than somebody laid down their life for their brethren. He said, what that means is this, you give your goods up to help the people of the world. And so anyway, that's what Jesus says. So verse 41 to the goats. Then shall I say unto them on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And so this is the ones that heard, but they ignored. They ignored Jesus' call to reach out to the hurting people of the world with the love of God, because that's what he's talking about here. Verse 42 to 43, Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you took me not in. Naked and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison and you visited me not. So Jesus gives believers opportunities continually to be a blessing to needy people. And you know, I know at a place like Barstow, we have to be discerning. Barstow is the place where uh, cons further their education. You know, there's nobody in here, if you lived in Barstow for a year, nobody in here doesn't know who the cons are. But you know what? Out of the cons, there's a genuine sometimes. And so we as believers have got to know in our hearts when something's real and when something's not. And you know, sometimes... We err on the side of caution just to be a blessing. But we've got to know what's going on. So anyway, Jesus, talking about these needy people, said that. And then verse 44, he said, Then shall they also answer him, say, Lord, when saw we you a hungry or a thirst or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not minister unto thee? And so you don't want to be a goat. Recognize the open doors Jesus gives you to help others to, to, do, to do something good for them. Then verse 45, I want to compare it. Now, here's the, here's the nugget I was telling you about. I want to compare verse 45 with verse 40, and I want you to get this. If you just look at this casually or superficially, you'll think he said the same thing he said in verse 40, but he didn't say the same thing here. Then shall he answer them, the goats, that didn't help anybody. Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did not unto one of the least of these, did you notice he didn't say brethren? Look at verse 40. He said, you did not want to least these, my brethren. He said, you didn't want to least these, my brethren. You did it unto me. But here, the ones didn't get reached out to. He said, you didn't do it to one of the least of these. You did it not to me. And so, the brethren wasn't in here. And so, what that spoke to me as a baby pastor back in 1992, and still says the same things as this. When believers take the love of Jesus to the hurting people of the world, that those people have a good chance of becoming brothers and sisters in the Lord. These people that didn't get rinsed out to, 
by loving Christians didn't experience the love of God. So Jesus didn't call them brethren because they never received the gospel or the love of God through believers. And so if believers refuse to be a part of taking Jesus' love to hurting people, that these people have very little chance of becoming born again. You know, I don't know about you, but I know about me. Because of the love of God through Christians is why I got softened up to come to Jesus. Matter of fact, I'll close with one story. I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about this for whew, so many years. Back when I was a heathen truck driver, back in my best my best heathenest days when I was the meanest I could be. I had this one customer. I was I was 28 years old. After a couple months, two or three months, I had this one guy that ran a warehouse I went to. And I was like any of you other guys before you were saved. I took advantage of my company. They kind of had this unwritten thing. We had salesmen that sold, that sold our business. We were a trucking company. But salesmen influenced other people. Use us to ship your goods because we get more revenue, etc. But the truck drivers, they had a thing. If we could take a customer out to dinner or lunch or something like that to influence them for the company, they'd reimburse our meal. So I'd be mad if I had a chance. Somebody I wanted to hang out with, pal around with, drink a with, something like that. But I'd take them out and wine them and dine them just like turn the receipt in. I mean, I did that. I was a center truck driver. I wanted a freebie. So anyway, this one guy, I didn't know he was a Christian. He just, I thought he was a really nice guy. I thought, man, I'd like to take this guy out to dinner. You know, just because, you know, I thought about it. I don't mind hanging out with this guy. And so he said, he said, yeah, he'd like to go to dinner with me, but have to be on a Sunday. Well, I didn't know I had to go to church with him. <laughs> so anyway, I took the guy to dinner on a Sunday, but I went to his Baptist church first. And when I went to the Baptist church as a boy, it was really a religious Baptist church that had nothing but an organ and that guy, that was okay. I'm not knocking it. But I went to this guy's Baptist church and they had, they had drums and guitars, stuff like we do at a Baptist church. And the gospel of that church softened me up. That was the beginning of me that year to start, no, I wanted to change my life. But the whole thing was, whole thing was, I got around that Baptist Christian, that young guy, in his church, and something changed me. He got me on the road seeking God. And that year, by the end of the year, man, I was all ready to jump in hook, line, and sinker. But then the Lord put me in a Pentecostal church with drums and a guitar like the Baptist church, except the Pentecostal church had the Holy Ghost. So that got me started this run. So what I'm saying is this. For all of you, for your personal lives, the love of Jesus you share when you visit somebody, you pray for somebody, you share food with somebody, you reach out to somebody, there's a good chance for that person to become a brother or sister in the Lord. But if you don't reach out for the love of God, you may have been the last choice. These missionaries that we send to the world at the places we go, Jesus said, when you did this to them, you did it to me. And he said, they become brethren because of what you did. And so one of the last things that's going to take place before Jesus comes back, he said it himself, when this gospel is preached. In all of Barstow, in all the high desert, in all the school system, Santa Fe Railroad, at the fort, at the marine base, at Walmart, at all these places, at all these other places of the world, Jesus said, when you get the job done, he said that I'm coming back. 
Amen. And so that is why missions for High Desert Word Center. We love Jesus. His love's in us. We want to help people. And the only true help there is, is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so pray over your pledge cards and just listen to the Lord in your hearts, whatever God tells you to do. And let me tell you this. He will tell you to do something. He's not going to ignore you because you're no exception. You're a gospel carrier. Amen. Well, let's give the Lord praise. Stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.